Dear listeners, welcome at this episode in the fourth season of Meet the Expert podcast series. And in this series, together with well-known experts from around the globe, we explore challenges and opportunities in the big veterinary world. In this episode, we take a trip down the road of big economics, and we do so with a very well-known name in the industry, being Robert Hoster, attached to Wageningen Economic Research, part of Wageningen University and Research based in the Netherlands. In total, we shall be speaking to him twice this series, as we will also discuss the topic of sustainability and how to make that profitable. But that's for a next episode. For now, the focus shall be on pig production worldwide. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Vincent. Um, the Meet the Expert series is a co-production of Böhringer Ingelheim Animal Health and Pig Progress. And my name is Vincent Terbeek. I'm editor of Pig Progress and I shall be the host of today's episode. And present at this podcast is also audiovisual editor Iris Hoffmann, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. Our guest, Robert Hoster, is a senior pig production economist at Wageningen Economic Research in the Netherlands, and he has over 30 years of experience in economic issues on farm and sector level, as well as in supply chain cooperation and international studies. He has a wide network in the industry in the Netherlands, as well as worldwide. And as of 2014, he has also been involved in several projects in South Korea, aiming to improve performance and efficiency of pig farm management. As said, today's focus will be at pig production worldwide. But let me just start a little bit because I just introduced you, Robert, uh, uh, and explained that you have more than 30 years of experience in the economic issues in pig production. What makes pig production more interesting for you than, for instance, the dairy, the feed or the poultry markets? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. To be honest, I'm not uh, not really involved in the other sectors, so making a comparison is a bit complicated. But at least I was diving into the pig sector um, based on some experiences in, in a young age, some 10 years old. I remember a farm visit where there were live pigs uh, running outside, etc. So it was really fascinating to me. And uh, so I started to be involved in this pig farming, pig sector, and I expanded my my experience, let's say, in in supply chains, in in international uh, scope. So how are pigs kept in other countries? So all in all, this is a fascinating sector. It's really uh, nice to be involved in it. Yeah, it started very early then, if I hear you well. And um, but um, what what has kept this market so fascinating for you that you kind of kept being enchanted by it for so long? Yeah, that's a good question. My, my, my children, for example, they also say, well, what is so, so interesting in these uh, pigs? Uh, isn't it dull in the end? No, it's not dull because there's always a changing situation, new interesting topics, animal welfare is popping up or antibiotics issues or how do supply chains cooperate? All these issues are coming up and new questions arise and then the government is asking questions. So how should we uh, how should we set up this new nitrogen uh, policy in the Netherlands? So the peaks are the same, but the topics around are always changing. And that's fascinating. Yeah, no, true. Uh, I think mm, probably most of our listeners will recognize some aspects of that Mm -hmm. because, uh, yeah, most of our listeners will also be involved in swine production. Okay, let us take a look at today's topic. Um, We're going to talk about the large players in the swine world. I don't think it's rocket science that we'll be ending up to talk about, for instance, China, the US, Brazil, and the European Union. 
Um, shall we just take a deep dive into all of them and just uh, discuss them bit by bit? Um, for instance, the well, largest producer in the world is China. That's common knowledge for now. Um, if you had to kind of describe that market in, um, in a nutshell, what, what are we looking at? Well, the pig sector, the pig production in China is, uh, well, first of all, it's the largest producer. It's uh, close to half of the, the, all the pigs are living in China. Uh, what we see there is an increasing scale of production where backyards are closing on one hand and the other hand, we see the large in integrations with modern day production. And China wants to be uh, self-providing, self-sufficient in pigs, more or less self-sufficient. So they have to have modern day production and it should be at a low cost because consumers have to pay for it. And well, pig meat is very important in the Chinese culture, in the Chinese kitchen, uh, but also in the wallet because uh, pig meat is the most important product uh, for economists to calculate the uh, the inflation ratio let's say so pig meat is really important and um, as there was african swine fever during the 2019 uh, let's say and the years after there was a, a very uh, strong reduction in pig production in China and consumers were complaining because they didn't get their, their meat. So pig meat is very important in China and it is now increasingly being produced in integrations with modern management, modern breed, modern uh, feed composition, uh, but also with quite some challenges. Because uh, on one hand, they want to increase and they want to do it now. They want to be very modern, uh, but to have a modern day management and high performance level, you also need a kind of awareness. It's a, a mindset, which is not in the basis available in China. And they try to learn it from other countries, also from Europe, from the Netherlands. And, uh, uh, but it requires not only hardware, so uh, tangible uh, issues uh, like um, uh, stables and, and um, um, or, or pigs breeding uh, animals. It also requires software, but it requires also mindware, as I call it. So the awareness of how to deal with biosecurity, with antibiotics, etc. And when it comes to um by security especially the very large companies do invest in uh, by security but they invest heavily in it and maybe a bit overdone and now it is for them the challenge to have it in a balanced way so what is a good biosecurity taking care of african swine fever increasing the awareness among all the farm workers and the other hand not to investing too heavy in it yeah, that is the, the the awareness of doing things right goes in both directions. Yeah, I, I would understand that, that you, you, you need to do enough. But yeah, if you do too much, you probably still have difficulty grasping exactly what needs to be yeah. done. Yeah, an example, uh, some uh, person from the Netherlands, an industry uh, person went to a company in China, wanted to be there in the farm, need, needed to be there. But then it was said, okay, you need two days to go through the quarantine. And meanwhile, he was in the canteen, in the quarantine, in the canteen where also the employees of the farm entered. 
so they were meeting each other. So this is not really a quarantine approach. So the mindset of the farm workers at that moment was not really good. I see, I see, I see. And uh, what well, we've heard, just a sidestep, we've heard about um, the, these enormous big complexes being built everywhere. I think um, the news everywhere has been about this, this project of 26 layers uh, on top of each other. Um, but it's difficult to get real, um, real ideas how many of these projects are being built. Do you have any idea of that? Um, uh, I have no overview of the number of these large integrations, but um, uh, it is sure that uh, these types of companies will take over the lead in the Chinese market. And it is uh, clear because their cost of production is still higher than it is in Europe uh, because of the lower performance and also the lower, uh, well, animal performance, so technical performance, but also the feed efficiency is lower and they have to import lots of feeds um, and, and other reasons as well. So the cost of production is, is clearly higher than, uh, than in Europe, for example. Uh, that means that they have to reduce, reduce, reduce their cost of production. And this can only be done in the companies. Uh, we made a cost calculation to compare a family farm in China and one in the Netherlands. And the cost of production, it was summer 2021, by the way, so uh, some time ago already. And the cost of production in Chinese family farm was 80% higher than in the Netherlands, 80. So this is really high. And this is also reflected in the market prices. The market prices in China are clearly higher than in, than in the Netherlands, some, some two and a half euro per kilo carcass weight, let's say, on average. And this is reflecting the cost of production. So the only way to reduce costs and to make it affordable also for consumers is to do it in a modern way, in a an efficient way, and this can only be done in, in large-scale modern-day uh, production. I see. So, so we're most likely going to see more of those developments. Exactly. That, uh, yeah? I see. Um, just a little sidestep as well. The, the, they say African swine fever is coming with another wave. Is there anything to be said about that in terms of uh, market prices, or is it too early to say anything about that? Yet? It's indeed too early, because the interesting point is that uh, farmers who get aware that ASF uh, popped up again, they are going to sell their pigs, including sows. So the, the supply of pigs is still okay. And that is also what the Chinese government says. The supply is okay, so no problem. But when they are slaughtering sows and their pig stock uh, actually too early before they are ready to, uh, to be marketed, then uh, you can uh, just wait a few months and then you see the production dropping. I see, I see. So that um, we'll have to wait a little bit before we see the effects of that. Okay, that, that was China, uh, the major pig producer in the world. Um, what can we say about the United States? The United States is a, a stable producer in terms of the size, the volume of pig production. They're growing more or less constant every year, a few percent in the total uh, volume. They have a good feed base in their own country. Uh, there are, there are challenges as well in terms of uh, employee availability and uh, and also the um, uh, well they, they are a world exporter so they they are exporting to any country in the world almost and they are also hit by market closures by border closures uh, but there's another problem going on in, in the U.S. and that is uh, that they have quite some mortality both in, in sows and in uh, growing animals uh, due to the PRRS going around. So we hear stories of uh, 
10% or 10-20% of mortality among the pigs. And this is what we see also in their total production. It has seen a little reduction due to, well, these outbreaks, let's say, of, uh, of PRRS. But generally spoken, they have a good performance. They have own feedstuffs and um, they have a good base also in a domestic consumption. And that makes a difference too, if you allow me to make the jump to the next country, that makes a, mm -hmm. a difference with Brazil. Brazil is a very nice country in terms of low cost production, well organized. They have ample feed supply that's very good, a good export portfolio. They have healthy pigs, uh, but their domestic base is very small. That means that the majority, the, 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 uh, almost every, uh, almost all the, the meat has to be exported. So the dependence to open markets is very high. The resilience is, a, is an issue there. Um, and, and that is the difference to the USA where they have a good domestic market, a home market where the consumers uh, take part of, uh, of the pig meat produced. So when there are market shocks, if a market is closed, then the domestic market can um, well, buffer these uh, uh, fluctuations, let's say. I see. I see. So the U.S. and Brazil both are different from China in the respect that they have plenty of feed sources available, and then the U.S. and Brazil is strongly different because in U.S. they can sell the market the the pork on the domestic market, whereas in Brazil, no, they they are more dependent on export. Oh yes, yeah, for, uh, more dependent, and um, the Americas in general uh, have growth promoters like Rectopamine. And these are not allowed, not accepted in China or in the EU or also in, in Russia. So for uh, being able to export to such uh, countries, uh, trade blocks, it is necessary to arrange, to organize vertical uh, uh, chains, supply chains where rectopamine is banned, is not used. And it should be shown uh, that it is not used and only then it's possible to export. And they are doing well. They are well organized, uh, both North and South America, to be able to uh, to show this uh, and, and to export. Okay. Well, we've had now the China. We've just discussed uh, the US and we've discussed Brazil. Uh, let us go to the EU. That is a fourth block of um, well, a strong pig production. Um, what can we say about that? The EU, well, the EU is a federation, let's say, if you, if you may say so, of many countries and many uh, types of production. On one hand, there is quite some backyard production in Romania, for example. On the other hand, there's the, the very high animal welfare status in Finland. So there's a lot of variety within the EU. But generally spoken, our cost of production in the European Union is high compared to USA, Canada, Brazil, some 30% higher, uh, roughly spoken. Due to the high societal demands and the high uh, income level also, moreover, the requirements are increasing. Um, I refer to the Green Deal policy. This will lead to further restrictions in animal welfare, antibiotics use, but also in, in how the feed is being produced. Just, just a step inside for those people who are not aware with the Green Deal policy. Is it possible to explain that in about two or three sentences? And the Green Deal policy is a, is a new policy to be further elaborated of uh, European Commission with a focus on increased sustainability, especially focus on planet sustainability. Uh, so reducing the, uh, the burden to the environment in terms of pesticides, uh, manure surpluses, um, 
nature conservation, biodiversity, such elements are being addressed in the Green Deal policy. But it should be further elaborated yet. It's not fully clear on what it means, uh, what it will mean in, in Europe, in European countries. But do you feel it is a good or a bad development? Well, that is a, a political statement of whether it's good or bad, but uh, we have to deal with that in the European Union. And um, if this means that the difference between Europe on one hand and the rest of the world on the other is growing, then it means that we will further have to focus on EU domestic demand rather than world export. The cost of production will increase, uh, but also we will meet uh, better the demands of the society. So it is just uh, taking off the rest of the world, let's say making a separation. And that requires that we are reducing the total production and just focus on, on the European, uh, European uh, Union ourselves. The current self-sufficiency in Europe amounts to some 120%. So one out of six kilos is being exported and it could be further reduced. I would uh, play for a, a smart autarky, as I call it. So exporting the offals, the edible offals to, to countries like China, etc., but further focusing on our own European market. I see. Um, yeah, um, I think that kind of sums up the situation in the European Union. Um, several European Union countries are suffering from African swine fever. Does that does that have any effect on the, on the production at all, or hasn't it affected here so much? Yeah, definitely it has. Uh, what we see is that many countries have reduced their production uh, on one hand due to ASF because uh, farms have to close and a country is not able to export to third markets, to markets outside Europe. Uh, and the, on the other hand, there was also the COVID-19. So all in all, it, it was uh, uh, leading to bad market circumstances and very low prices. And then the third factor is the increasing feed price. So this has become uh, a perfect storm, so to say. And in many countries, we see producers uh, quitting production. And the total production of pig meat in 2023 is likely to be some 5 or 6% lower than in last year. I see, I see. So where we're talking about rosy opportunities in, for instance, Brazil are also in the US and in, in particular in China, there's always opportunities. The EU is not presenting that picture. No, and we shouldn't. <laughs> we should focus on ourselves. And um, uh, I think we have a high level of requirement of demands from the consumer. So let's focus on, it, on ourselves, on our own market. That's, uh, that's sufficient. I see. Now, we, we're talking about the EU itself. As you said, it is a federation. So we've got various countries inside the EU. I think it's, it's good to, to, uh, to zoom into those in a, li a little bit more, especially, for instance, into Spain, because uh, in recent years, Spain has risen to become the number one pig producing country in the EU. Um, how did they do that? What developments have been going on in recent years? Uh, there are several factors in Spain. Uh, one of them is that they are uh, highly integrated, so they have a very good supply chain cooperation uh, uh, in combination with the low cost of production. So they are quite efficient and, and all in all, they, they do it very well in their terms of um, uh, cost of production. And uh, moreover, they have a good export base. So they were, uh, during some month, they were the, the, the number one exporter to China. The, the number one um, source for China. 
Um, but now they are also facing societal uh, problems. It's not that easy to become uh, permissions to expand. Uh, there's also, well, some manure problems in, in some areas in Spain. To get employees, it's not easy. They become more expensive. Their buildings are very cheap, but now they also have to increase the, the quality of the buildings and, and uh, to, to have higher investments there. Uh, their export base is reduced since China is demanding less meat. And moreover, they are now hit by the Rosalia uh, PRRS. And, and also there, as I told before in the, in the US, they have quite some mortality on many farms and mortalities in, in uh, 10, 20, 30% of the pigs uh, dying. Well, this is not very good for, for such farms. But this also means that Spain as a country, um, I think has now reached the, the top of production and likely, likely they will not grow further in the coming years or, or only very limited level. Um, so what we see, and, and that's the, the experience of 30 years, let's say that many countries popped up, they, they are a top producer during a couple of years and then um, well, they, they reduce or at least they become stable and that's it. And, and so this is also what we have sp seen in Spain before, some 15 years ago, and now we see it. Spain has been the top producer, cheap, etc., well organized, uh, but now they are losing position. Okay, so far for Spain, you, you mentioned um, the previous number one in the Netherlands, uh, in, the, in Europe was Germany. And uh, how come that they lost their leading position and where, where is Germany going at the moment? Yeah, uh, Germany has been the turntable, so to say, in Europe, in the European Union. Uh, it was the leading exporter, uh, but it was a, a combination of factors, and, and one of them was the outbreak of African swine fever, so they lost their export position. Uh, the COVID-19 uh, had a, a severe uh, influence on their, their meat industry. Uh, that means they are not, the meat industry is not able to pay a sufficient price level, actually, uh, to their farmers. So the farmers are losing uh, money. Uh, the farmers have to deal with a new policy related to animal welfare um, for, for pregnant sows. They have to be, no, sorry, for the insemination area, they have to have uh, an area of five square meter. And also free farrowing is going to be the, the, the new situation in a couple of years. So especially sow farmers are now deciding not to continue their farm. And, and we see a reduction of animal numbers in, in Germany. Um, well, and, and in combination with the high feed prices and, and many of the farmers are producing their own feed and they can sell it also to others when there's a good price. So they decide not to feed it to the pigs, but just stop production. And a final issue is also uh, that the consumption of pig meat is going down in Germany quite fast more than in other countries. So also from the demand side, uh, they have a difficulty. They are, they are producing less and they are demanding less. And still uh, they, they try to survive. And it's not easy to be a pig farmer at this moment in Germany. So where will it go? They, they, will, be, uh, they, they will show a further shrink in their total production and the total number of farms at a higher cost of uh, production and a higher level of animal okay. welfare at least. But do you, ex do you expect it to stabilize at some point, at a certain level? Well, at some point, uh, probably yes. But but for now, uh, I think we will see a further reduction of animal numbers in the coming few years. 
Okay, we've spoken about Germany. Um, now let's move to Denmark. That is traditionally a strong and innovative country in swine production. Where does that country stand nowadays? Well, Denmark is uh, going ahead, actually, in the way it has done uh, always. So focusing on a very high uh, zootechnical performance. Yet there is a new focus on reducing uh, piglet uh, mortality and also to invest in uh, free farrowing. So Denmark is increasing the animal welfare level, so to say. And what we have seen is also a reduction in the pig numbers, mainly related to the fact that piglets could not be exported to, to Poland and other um, European destinations. So they, they were hit by uh, a lacking demand of piglets. But in the end, they, they will continue to be a strong country and a leading country in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, talking about strong and leading countries here in the Netherlands, we tend to see ourselves that way as well. What can you say about uh, swine production in the Netherlands these days? Well, definitely the, the, the pig production in the Netherlands will further reduce because there's a lot of political debate on uh, how should we proceed with animal production anyhow. And, and uh, my estimation would be that we will see some reduction of 20, 30 percent of number of animals, uh, pigs, as well as poultry and dairy, uh, probably because of nature conservation and the so-called nitrogen policy, which is highly debated at this moment. Uh, moreover, there will be an increasing level of animal welfare demand, uh, especially the, the intact tails. Uh, we're highly uh, focusing on, on getting this implemented by 2030. Uh, and also free farrowing will become a new standard some uh, sometime. We have no date yet set. So animal welfare and also environmental uh, protection are, are very important elements at a lower level of production volume, let's say. Um, and what this goes always, uh, additional animal welfare and environmental protection hand in hand with increasing cost of production. And as long as retailers are paying for this, is not a problem. But when it comes to uh, exporting to other European countries, this might be a real challenge. I see, I see. Now, we've, we've spoken about um, the European Union in a certain level of detail. Now, let's zoom out again. And Well, we started talking about China, the US, Brazil and our EU, each of these zones are differently organized. Um, what could you say about the different uh, supply chains? What kind of uh, supply chains can we identify? Well, there are different kinds of supply chains, but um, what we see in many parts of the world is the vertical integration. So where uh, it's maybe not ownership, but at least there's a contract uh, between the, the partners in the supply chain from the, 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 the farmers and the processing, and um, sometimes even including retail, uh, sometimes including crop production for feed or uh, veterinarians or breeding uh, stock. So it depends, but in, in most parts of the world, the, the vertical integration is the common way of, uh, of cooperation in supply chain. Not so in Western Europe, for example. And this is also related to a history. Farmers are not so much willing to to give away their freedom of, of uh, well, let's say entrepreneurship, at least, at least this is how they feel. And there's maybe less demand for it because the main reason why vertical integrations occur is because 
companies want to have sales security or supply security. Assume a meat processor, you have uh, a meat processing plant, but you have no pigs. So you want to contract those pigs. And that is the basis for a vertical integration. So what we see in, in countries like the Netherlands, it is um, a cooperation based on historic ties. Uh, farmers are selling their pigs to a slaughterhouse, but there's hardly any contract. Uh, and I think we will see an increasing degree of partnership. And at least this is also what I would uh, wish, because partnerships means that you are sharing profits and losses, sharing uh, the, the, the benefits of the entire supply, supply chain, let's say. And as a whole, including the farmers and the feed producers, you can focus on, on what consumers really want to see and want to have. So basically three kinds of uh, supply chain cooperation, the vertical integration, the loosely coupled production like in Western Europe and increasingly the partnership. I see, I see. And that's, a, that's an interesting development, but I think, as you say, it's probably a necessary development. Um, now we have established a little bit what the swine industry looks like globally. Um, perhaps it's also time to see what it could mean for swine producers themselves. And for that, I would like to invite my colleague Iris Hofman to step in um, to look a little bit into the future. Iris, welcome. Yes, welcome. Thank you, Vincent. It's good to be back again at this podcast. Um, nice to meet you as well, uh, Robert. And uh, I do have a couple of questions um, for you, especially looking um, at uh, the prices of pig meat. Uh, they have fluctuated a lot the last couple of years. Uh, how can farmers survive this uncertainty? Well, that's a good question. It is uh, really a challenge for farmers to survive this because uh, they are typically not uh, able to bear such fluctuations. So now they have to look for opportunities to, to cooperate with other partners in the supply chain, for example. And that is also why I mentioned the partnership. So when farmers are cooperating with their, uh, let's say with the meat industry, they can share the risks, they can share the fluctuations in the prices. And when they also cooperate with the feed industry, on the other hand, they can uh, have some, some cushioning of the price movements of the feed. So bear it jointly is, uh, is easier than bear it all alone, the, the burden. A second option is to apply futures. And we're not very used to it in Europe, but it is in, in the US, for example, and also in China, we see there's a future market for pork. And uh, this is a way to, to cushion price fluctuations as well. And a third, uh, especially for, for Europe, is to withdraw from the world market influences by setting up own feed supply and sales, not as a commodity, but in a value added program for dedicated consumers. Yeah, and I, I do know that in the Netherlands, uh, you see that a lot that people are working more with, with the chains, chains and, and stuff. And do you see that in other countries as well that is more upcoming? Yeah, what we see in Northwestern Europe indeed is an increase in cooperation in supply chains uh, where farmers are cooperating with meat processors mainly. This is the, the, the typical approach. And meat processors have to provide meat according to a higher standard to their retailers, customers. And so they have to contract farmers to uh, to adjust their farm uh, processes to have increased animal welfare, etc. So yes, that is what we see in the Netherlands, in Germany, in uh, Denmark, in Finland, in the United Kingdom, in Belgium, in France, uh, in Spain, so uh, Austria, in many countries, we see this um, uh, 
well, this development, let's say, to a further um, cooperation. Yeah, but is there then still room for like family-owned farms, or or more like bigger corporations like getting there starting? I think there's definitely room for family-owned farms. Uh, because family-owned farms have uh, advantages in terms of own labor and own capital uh, supply. And this is very strong base. And that means that they can afford more uh, fluctuations in, in, in the profits than, than companies could do. It's not only about resilience. Uh, it is also the the eagerness of a farmer, of an entrepreneur to be the best and to produce the best uh, level of production according to the lowest cost. Uh, and this is not uh, per se the situation in a large company. No, exactly. Um, but what opportunities does the industry have to increase those big prices then? Well, that's all a matter of supply and demand, as always. This is the, the basic law in the economy, let's say. Prices are set by the, the, the balance between supply and demand. So if we have higher cost of production due to higher demands, then the price has to increase. Otherwise, we have no producers. Uh, so we should reduce the total production in Europe, especially of the higher level uh, produced uh, pig meat, and then there's a, uh, an increased balance. That's what we see in organic. The balance, balance between uh, supply and demand is better organized, is well organized. It means that they can have a, a good price level. Well, at this moment, it's not so good, but generally spoken, the price level is good enough and the farmers are able to make money. So does that mean that there, we need more people eating pig meat or something, or is it... Uh... Is it well, I think this will not that? happen in mm -hmm. Europe. Uh, it's rather a matter of reduction of consumption, but we should be willing to pay a little bit more for the meat. Exactly. I think that is, if you have quality, uh, people will pay more yep. as well. Right. Agree. Great. Thank you a lot. Those were my questions. Welcome. Thank you, Iris. Um, <clears throat> great, uh, great, great to have your questions as well on this podcast. Um, Having heard this all, I think it's about time to round off, but maybe we should let our um, listeners go with the question, how do you think that the world pig meat production will develop in the coming decades? Interesting question. Uh, so I think the total production will further increase uh, because uh, pig meat consumption, and so the total production, is related to the, uh, the economic uh, situation. And what we see is that there is a further uh, wealth increase, in, uh, especially in parts of the world like Asia and Africa. So the demand for pig meat is likely to grow. So the total production will grow. And this is also what we see historically, that there's a, a, a continuous increase. Where will it be produced? I think especially in South America and also in Africa, it has to be organized and uh, it will take uh, some time. Yes, definitely. But they have opportunity to produce more pig meat. It, it could be done over there. When it comes to Europe, I think we will eat less meat. And this is typically the pattern that with increasing income, the, the, the total pig meat, the total meat consumption is increasing, but at a certain level of wealth, then the total consumption is going down. And this is what happens in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. and, and how about meat alternatives, for instance? Uh, do you see a market for that? 
I think meat alternatives will have some place, but it will not overtake real meat uh, as long as consumers really like the bite and the, and the taste and, and the, the real meat, let's say, and they're producing it themselves in their own countries and they know what is meat about and animals are about. In our countries, yes, uh, in the, in, in the well, high-income countries, let's say, uh, I see a place for, uh, for alternatives. In the rest of the world, it's less. I see, I see. Thank you very much for those wise words. And uh, now I'm trying to look at the clock and I think we'll have to draw it to an end for this podcast. And I trust that our listeners now are completely up to date with where we stand in the world of swine production. So I'd like to thank you for being with us today at the Meet the Expert podcast series. It was my pleasure. <laughs> Great. And as I said, we will be back with a second episode in which Robert Hoster will also be our guest. And in that episode, we shall zoom in on the sustainable production and how to achieve that whilst remaining competitive. So make sure that not to miss that podcast. You'll be able to find it through all the regular podcast channels, as well as a big progress website. Just search for the Meet the Expert uh, podcast series by Big Progress and Boehringer Eagleheim Animal Health. For now, I thank you for listening. Thanks to Robert Hoster for being with us. And goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.